straight efficiency with Nackfee's Mike Roth and Friends. Here in episode 80, we're joined by Ali Javadan, founder and CEO of Range Energy, where he talks about electrified powered trailers, how a Venn diagram led him to trucking, the role of empathy in product development, and the importance of factoring in drivers when developing a new technology. He also explains how he is applying lessons learned during his career in racing and at Tesla and Google, as well as the need to lead with humility when developing a new technology. Today we have joining us Ali Javadan. He's the founder and CEO of Range Energy. Um, maybe you haven't heard of Range Energy, but listening to this, you'll know what it's all about here soon. I'm really excited to have you on, Ali. It's, it's been great getting to know you and appreciate you being on the podcast. Yeah, I'm honored to be here. Thanks so much for having me. Finally, after all these episodes of listening, I get to be on it. It's cool. <laughs> so you are a listener. Absolutely. Cool, cool. So um, yeah, yeah, this is entitled, uh, you know, Freight Efficiency with NACV's Mike Growth and Friends. So Ali, do you know how we were introduced or, you know, how we how we first um, got started to become friends? You remember, Ali? Yeah, totally. Um, I think we really kind of uh, officially became friends uh, during Manifest um, this year in 2022. Uh, but we were first introduced back in November by Dave Lyons. Um, Dave is an advisor to us and a friend of mine. And uh, and he's got some some experience in this industry and he he introduced us. And I think we kind of hit it off right away. And, and, um, and your enthusiasm for what we're building has been amazing for us. So, so yeah. Yeah, Dave and I go way back. Um, actually, uh, I think we met, he and I met um, as Peloton was starting to work on platooning uh, well right. over, probably over a decade ago. And he, um, yeah, he's, uh, he's an, an, an interesting guy. And yeah, it's been a pleasure getting to know you. I mean, we, we get introduced, we get introduced to, uh, you know, a lot of you know, uh, innovators, entrepreneurs, people thinking about solutions, and some of which, um, you know, don't know the trucking industry too well. They might know cars, or they might know, you know, different parts of, of vehicles. But um, it, you know, it's always fun, and we we uh, we engage where we can. I mean, it's not the main part of what NACFI does, um, but it's fun to to get to know people. And you know, we probably use a I'd like to say it's a more quantitative filter to 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 think yeah. about, but it's pretty it's pretty qualitative when we think about. Okay, well, here's an idea. Um, well, how will the industry uh, look at it? I mean, how much value is it? Um, how much change do they we have to make in the industry, et cetera? So I remember thinking through that with you, and it's just a pleasure getting to know you and how you were coming at this challenge in trucking, not with a know-it-all attitude, but with one of of, of interest. So um, yeah. Uh, yeah. So, uh, you know, tell us about Range Energy, the company, um, and, um, and, and, and the first product that you're working on, or maybe it's the first product, then the company. I don't know if it's chicken or the egg, but, but tell us yeah. about what you're up to. Yeah. So, um, uh, fortunately or unfortunately, I fall square into that kind of realm of knowing a lot about cars and, and electric vehicles and product, but knowing just a little bit about this specific industry. Um, I've been actually towing uh, ever since I was 14 years old, but everything I've ever towed was behind a pickup truck. Um, and so I had, I have some, some deep towing empathy, but not really much experience in the, in the class eight world. And so um, as we start, as I started to think about what our technology could bring, and, and we'll talk about the technology in just a second, um, we were, we were kind of thinking through all the different areas of the trailer world and, and where, where our most benefit could could land uh you know in day one and and so 
the class eight industry was was an obvious huge piece for us and and I spent and we've been spending the last year learning as much as we can and and leading with humility and being empathetic to the to the folks that are operating every single day uh, and bringing home uh, food for their families so um, basically what we're building here is is a new electrified powered trailer platform and and the elements are relatively simple. We take uh, one of the axles that's in the bogey of a 53-foot dry van or a reefer. It can also be a pup trailer or anything in between. Um, but essentially, we take a, a dry van form factor. We replace one of the axles in the bogey with an e-axle. Um, we add a battery pack underneath the box. And then most importantly, we add uh, a smart kingpin. So we take the kingpin that's been there forever, and we add a little bit of sensing and intelligence to it. And the result is that now the trailer can sense how hard the tractor is pulling or how hard the driver is, is commanding that tractor to, to pull. And because we're measuring the force, we can actually have the trailer very gently drive itself to make itself feel weightless to the tractor. So the benefit of this is now that we actually can work on an old Peterbilt, we can work on a brand new eCascadia, and on an old Peterbilt or, or even a brand new Freightliner Cascadia, we can get you up to 40% better fuel economy because now the trailer is doing its own work. And on an electric tractor, if you have a, a fleet of new E-Cascadias, we can expand the utility of those tractors. So instead of, let's say, 120 to 180 miles, which is what our customers are seeing average range on an E-Cascadia, we bump that up above 250 miles, again, because the trailer is doing all of its own work intelligently. Really interesting, you know, and I, I think, um, well, let me ask you a question. Why heavy duty so quickly um, rather than maybe, you know, horse trailers on, yeah. you know, pickup trucks or, or I don't know, um, campers or other things? What, 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 do you remember how you made that decision? Yeah. So early days, we actually were looking at specifically campers and horse trailers and boat trailers because there's a big market there and we can, we can uh, develop a product pretty quickly. But one of the things that we did early on was we kind of created this Venn diagram of these three elements. Number one would be something that we can actually build. So something that uh, there's a supply chain that exists for it. We're not forcing new physics or new chemistry to be invented. Uh, the second element is uh, something that the customers will want. So there has to be a market for it. There has to be a continued and growing market for it and, and massive demand. Uh, and then the third piece is what are the what are the applications that are going to have the biggest net impact to either the environment or uh, or to the efficiency of an operation where they're kind of those two things are, are for us seen as hand uh, hand in hand. And so right smack in the middle of this Venn diagram is class eight trucking um, and, and includes reefers. So one of the things I didn't talk about is that our system actually works to, to power uh, reefers as well. And so if we look at that, that's where the biggest opportunity fell. And, and so you know, I, I like to go for the most ambitious goals um, that that I believe are achievable. And I, and I feel that uh, this this industry is is ready for a, a practical decarbonization solution. And, and this is a solution that we can get on the roads immediately because we don't have we don't have to worry about crash testing or any of these other kind of uh, homologation requirements when you have a passenger truck or a passenger vehicle. Yeah, I think it's really uh, interesting um, around, I, I think, I guess, would be utility, meaning you, uh, you, know, you have the technology to sense um, and not have to 
connect to to the uh, to the tractor for information or for anything. That's right. And that's really key. That's really key. We talk to a lot of entrepreneurs and so forth, particularly when they're working on trailer ideas, where they're kind of like, well, you, the trailer and the tractor can do this and can do that and can do the other. Where very few tractors and trailers stay connected or stay right. matched. Uh, in North America, and you know the the freight system in North America, and I, I we've studied it a little bit. I, I, I maybe I should go. I'm not quite the history person, <laughs> but maybe <laughs> I should go back and look at it. But the fact that we can keep the tractors rolling, keep the drivers moving, the autumn yeah. get paid by the mile. So drop and hook is just so ingrained in our uh, in our freight movement in North America that literally to your point earlier and I, I, don't, I don't want us and listeners and, and any of us to, to miss what what Ali said and that is that you know the technology is being created to to work with uh, you know an old Peterbilt or a new a new e Cascadia or a old or a new electric uh, EV tractor from Peterbilt and an old freight liner. <laughs> yeah it doesn't um, matter so, yeah I think one of the things to to that I that I kind of under under underemphasized here that I think is is core to exactly why we're able to make these kind of um, these decisions is that we we are highly focused on empathy for the customer, and and we have a rule here that unless it's something that's going to make the load more efficient or the driver happier, we're not going to build it. And so um, we you know a, a little bit different than maybe everybody else uh, approaching this industry is that we believe the driver is perhaps the most important element here. And everything that we're uh, delivering as far as a drive system, the user interface, how the trailer delivers torque, all of that stuff is primarily primarily focused on the driver. And so after your conversation, the first conversation we had back in November, December timeframe, one of the pieces of advice that you gave to us was learn as much as you can about this industry before you approach the industry. And it was very, very poignant. Um, and, and that was advice that we heard not only from you, but from some other friends and advisors um, that, that how critical every single element of these operations are today and how much pain it takes to switch these elements. And yeah. So, so yeah. So, um, you know, oftentimes that's called quality function deployment or there are other like market market pieces. Um, but, but I think what you're talking about and, and is, is really like, almost like phase two, there's like the, the engineering understanding how a product is used, what, what challenges are there and how to make it better. But then there's like the marketplace nuances, I would call it. Yeah. Um, is that what you're talking about? And, 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 you know, what, what have you, what have you found as you've gone out searching for that? It's a little bit of both. And so let, you know, it, it's, it's trying to make sure that if we present a piece of technology the both the mechanics the and and the folks up in the office making the decisions are happy about um about what we're building and you know one specific example is that before so we just completed a, a, a our first pilot with a massive uh, beverage distributor in southern california and one of the first things we did early on in that engagement was we spent three days on their in their yard um working with different folks across the the value chain there. So we spent time doing drive-alongs and ride-alongs. We spent time with the mechanics, uh, understanding what tools they have in their toolbox. So a perfect example is that the task was go understand what tools the mechanics already have. And then when we come back to develop our system, we develop it leveraging the tools that are already in their toolbox. So we're not forcing them to now go buy a whole new set of tools 
or some special tool to make this all work, the mechanic can just open the toolbox and use the same tools and procedures they've always used. Interesting, interesting. Hey, so let's just stop here a minute in the time we got together and kind of go backwards. I mean, what, what, tell us about your career and, um, you know, because right now there's there's a lot of uh, excitement around transformative technologies in trucking. And there's a lot of people um, bringing solutions to, to this space, regulation, sustainability, safety, uh, all kinds of, of drivers for that. But um, what got you here <laughs> and what yeah. about your background uh, do you think uh, was part and parcel of, uh, of you being here in trucking here in 2023? Yeah, I am. Um... Believe it or not, I spent the first part of my career uh, in racing in North America. So I ran a few um, touring car race teams for for groups like BMW and Mitsubishi. And so I, I got to spend a lot of time in the racing industry straight out of college. And I'm a mechanical engineer um, by by training. But that racing experience really taught me a few things that that, you know, no matter how much how, how much engineering you do, uh, it doesn't matter if it doesn't get on the road and actually produce good lap times. Um, and then uh, and then it also taught me that deadlines don't move and, and deadlines don't change and you're not the only one in the world. And so one trap that a, a Silicon Valley startup can fall under is that they just get so tunnel focused or ton there's such a, a high amount of tunnel vision in their specific domain in their product that they forget that the world is continuing to progress and move. And so anyways, I, I spent uh, the beginning portion of my career in racing. Uh, uh, in 2008, I joined a small startup um, building an electric uh, car called Tesla Motors. Um, I ended up um, uh, building out and running the prototype vehicles team for Tesla from 2008 through 2012. Uh, uh, most notably, the Model S uh, came out of that lab. Um, after Tesla, I went over to Google and I worked on some uh, manufacturing hardware um, and then uh, over to Zooks in the, in the robo-taxi world um, and, and helping develop the robo-taxi platform there. But like I said, ever since I was a kid, trailers have always been something important to me. And, and I have a lot of friends that, that are small fleet operators and, and, you know, um, and this industry is, is something that I understand the value of in society. And so the, the first opportunity I had to kind of take what I've learned from my career and help make the job of the driver and, and the, the systems more efficient, um, that was, that was a, a pretty immediate draw for me. Yeah, we, uh, you know, one of the things you said I, I find interesting, and that is, you know, um, uh, the old saying, you know, we don't get any respect. The trucking industry is, is sometimes complained about, uh, you know, not getting the respect it needs. Um, of course, I don't think the industry, I think the industry is pretty modest, and we'd rather just not get any notoriety for just going, doing the job, right, getting the milk, the medicines, uh, getting things to the stores, clothes, and so forth. Um the pandemic kind of, you know, caused us to think a lot about supply chain and how critical trucking is. Um, and I, I think times are really changing on how um, how we view freight and goods movement, not only from a sustainability, but also from a, like a resiliency or a uh, or just basic, uh, you know, an uptime. Um, uh, so you've been at this for a little while. You've got an announcement, though, that you made um, not too long ago around the product. Um, tell us about yeah. that. Yeah, we actually, we have a couple of uh, uh, pretty cool announcements. So um, a couple of weeks ago, we got approved for the California Core program. Our, our customers now qualify for an $80,000 point of sale rebate for our trailers uh, in the state of California. And, and the, the Core program is pretty robust. And, and um, there's a really, there's a bunch of other uh, cool kind of tentacles to, to this program. But the big piece here 
is that this is the first time that a powered trailer product has ever been included in a program like this. And um, and the, the, the signal that this sends to all of the other regulators across uh, the state and across the country is massive for us. Um, the second big, uh, really cool announcement is that we completed our first customer pilot um, and, and the results that the test results were, were promising and they matched all of our kind of original hypothesis and, and the customers begging for more time with our trailer in their yard, which is, which is a great signal. Excellent, excellent. So I like the term powered trailer. Um, matter of fact, I, I used it probably 10 years ago when I was thinking and, you know, we saw the first um, opportunities with automation. I used it in a different context than you are. I, I said, you know, what if we could get rid of the entire cab, most of the of the tractor, if there was a, some sort of self-driving uh, thing? And then, you know, well, why why make that a separate part from the trailer? Why don't we just power the trailer and let it drive yeah. autonomously a box around? You know, I think the movie Logan might be a little scary with respect to that. But, uh, yeah, Hyundai's, pretty... Hyundai's playing with something like that. But I, I really believe that that's like, you know, 20 or 30 years out. And we really need something that's going to make a difference today. Right, right. So um, let's talk about the challenges or what, what are you, what did you know going in maybe uh, that were challenges? And then maybe um, what's your, what's your sort of learning as you're starting to really put it out? I mean, I think about, I think about weight. I think about cost. Um, yeah. I think about just the technology around doing this without data from the tractor, um, on and on. But um, what are what are the what are the challenges with this uh, with this technology? So uh, one piece is that, and you touched on it, and I didn't really go into detail. But but to be very very clear, like you said, we do not require a data transmission or a data feed from the tractor into the trailer. We're just using physics and and. That actually ends up uh, enabling a bunch of other functionalities. Most most importantly to us is functional safety. So I, I think there's a bunch of uh, um, elements around that that um, that are are kind of critical to to the way that we operate. Now, um, you know the the, the challenges and, and the next steps. I think for us, it's it's establishing the supply chain um, and really, like you said earlier, it's learning all of those little nuances because. You know, one fleet may have an average of three to one tractors, uh, trailers to tractors, but other fleet has an average of 10 to one. And how do we present value to these to these fleets that have, um, uh, you know, more more trailers, uh, a larger trailer ratio? And then also, how do we present value to the over the road solution? Because, you know, I, I'll be very honest that our, our trailer has massive benefits on daily routes, on, you know, runs that are in this kind of like sub 300 mile range, we can make in incredible amounts of, of difference. But how do we develop this technology, uh, you know, a gen two version of this that'll work on the 800 or 1000 mile daily over the road applications as well. So I think those are some of the challenges that we have ahead. And, and I'm optimistic that we're going to be able to knock them out. Yeah, there are, and there are some segments that have one and a half trailers or less That's per right. uh, per tractor. I mean, the refrigerated industry um, because of the, you know, the extra expense of those trailers, they tend to um, just have less of them. But, uh, yep. It's basically a capital issue, and they they work harder to manage those um, those pieces. Um, well, t tell us a little bit more about the uh, the uh, how the trailer uh, interacts with the tractor, and what are some of the I think oftentimes they're called edge cases, or but what what are some of the really challenging is it weather related is it what what, are, what uh, you know, tell us what you can about the the specific yeah. challenges of that so 
Um, I'll, I'll give you an example of one of the, the test runs that we just completed uh, recently. Um, uh, we did, uh, so we did the grapevine run, which is uh, on Southern California I-5. It's a 6% grade in both directions. Uh, I think it's somewhere around six or seven miles long. And um, we were at 60% throttle, 55 miles an hour up the hill. We didn't touch the brakes on the backside of the hill. Um, and we, uh, we were able to reclaim over 10 kilowatt hours of energy uh, in regen on the back of the hill. And the best piece of all of this is that we got 11 miles per gallon going over that hill with a loaded trailer. Uh, all of this is, is done with the driver feedback uh, um, uh, being uh, received in a on a regular basis. And, and you know, the, the, my biggest, everybody was like, oh, we got 11 miles per gallon and everything is cool and everything worked over the hill multiple times and all of this. My biggest kind of flag that I wave all the time is that the driver felt an unbelievable sense of confidence going down the hill. And how many times, even on a small trailer, do you feel confident going down a big grade? You're just scared <laughs> the whole time. I laugh because, you know, my wife and I are pretty much full-time RVers. So, um, you know, we came down a, we came down a, a mountain pass just uh, two days ago, Ollie. So I get all that. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, uh, you know, one of the things that this strikes me is our collective industry understanding of regenerative braking, whether it's on the tractor or in your case, learning it on the trailer, one of the run on less depots, I mean, I'll name them OK Produce. They are, um, you know, a traditional return to base um, regional hall, mostly in medium length regional hall. So they go out with fruits and vegetables to stores uh, outside of Fresno. And some of that can be longer runs, but they were really surprised at how efficient the electric truck was in state highway, start and stop, going through towns and so forth. I mean, just the, the traditional thinking, and we've seen it in regional hall where fuel economy tanks when you've got to slow down and stop at traffic lights and then get back up to speed. Yeah. Um, and you, know, you still have to move the freight and you got to stop the freight and move it. But when you're regenerative um, and with these um, you know, EVs, axles whether they're on tractors or trailers you know there's a lot of energy there to recoup and um yeah. and the technologies it's it's kind of surprising a lot of us really yeah i think i think um you know the thing that we always focus on is and you and i are probably the same in this is that we always kind of think about why is this not going to work or why could this not work not being negative about it but just trying to understand what do we have to protect for in our operation but i think as a as a as kind of a, a a group here, we, we tend to highlight the the net benefits um, or a little bit less than maybe we should. So, for example, you know, an electric uh, um, tractor or a, a diesel tractor with our electric trailer, that whole thing of like facing a hill and being worried that what's going to happen in between gears when I have a fully loaded trailer, like, you know, uh, or going through an intersection up a hill and you're, you know, stuck in traffic, like, that all disappears when you have electric propulsion, because whether it's the trailer filling the torque in between gears and making a seamless acceleration movement, or an electric tractor that doesn't have a transmission that's giving you a seamless kind of universal deliver or a, a, a clean uh, torque uh, power delivery, these are huge benefits, and the drivers yep. are getting out of the tractors happier every day because of them. Yeah, you know, the um, uh, you reminded me of uh, you know we're both engineers, and in school they teach you about 
failure modes and effects analysis where you right. find or you predict or you guess or you, you 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 think about all the ways it could fail and then you try to create the design to get fixed well i always struggle i that's that's absolutely necessary when you're working on products like we're working on absolutely but you know i went back and researched and some of the earlier from the early creators of those tools also had a second part of it where they were not only looking at the failure mode and effects, but they were looking at the opportunities Absolutely. modes and effects. It says, okay, I'm working on this new product and oh my goodness, it offers this benefit that maybe I didn't understand. And then how can we make sure that benefit is maximized in the design, not only protecting ourselves from risks, and maybe I'm preaching a little here, Ollie, but yeah. not, not only are we looking to prevent the risks and failures with our design, but how do we maximize their benefits and it also takes yes. action to do that yeah and and you know in order to maximize the benefits you actually have to develop something that you may not be thinking to develop in the first place like uh um there are going to be other operators operating your tool so you need to make sure that 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 human in the loop uh has these maybe some creature comforts that they may need that you don't you know that don't make any sense in your engineering stack up right and that's that's one of the things that we were focused on is making sure don't forget about any every single element in that in the stack, including especially the driver. Yep. Well, we're starting to run out of time, Ali. I think um, one of the things that I think about when I talk to you is that um, you know you don't need to have a product that solves problems for all the marketplace or or much of the marketplace. And that you know trucking is pretty diverse. There's logging trucks and there's tractors and there's refrigerated and there's just so many different things that um, you know, I, I gotta believe you're out there trying to find where the technology really fits the best with uh, the entire trucking industry. So it's been fun having Absolutely. you on, but before we go, um, what are a few things, maybe some advice you would give either other folks in your kind of um, situation, you know, who are thinking about trucking or, or maybe just like, what do you want people inside of trucking to, uh, to do with um, technologies and ideas like yours? Um, I, I think that uh, there is a, a pretty, um, th there's a, a bit of a lack of focus in uh, folks like myself developing technology um, to fit existing operations rather than developing, you know, new procedures and new tools that force uh, fleets to change how they work. And, and I think a lot of the success that we've had with customers uh, and with, with large, you know, trailer OEMs that are talking to these customers is because we've we've led with uh, humility. We ask questions first, um, and then we always make sure to kind of circle back on on our kind of foundational um, uh, tenant here in the company, which is that our innovation is driven by empathy. And and really, developing technology for the sake of technology is is I think a, a dead end. And and making sure that you have that end goal and that 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 person or that entity is truly happy at the end of this is super important. Good advice. Thanks a lot, Ali, for joining us. It's been great talking to you. Thank you so much, Mike. Freight Efficiency with NACFI's Mike Roth and Friends.